All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Today we're here with Travis and Terry, and we're going to have Carol Rains, uh, one of our fellow Mastermind members in the e-commerce mafia, talk about Pinterest today. But before we get to that, uh, updates with both me and Travis. Uh, Travis, what's up with you, man? So one of the big things I've been considering for a while, changing with my website, is we offer free shipping on everything. And it seems like most websites have a minimum threshold. So I recently changed it to free shipping on orders over $50, and then any order under $50, I made shipping. It's a flat rate of $195. And the interesting thing is I was really scared to see, you know, is this going to really drop off our sales? Because the other thing I did too is I got rid of a $5 coupon for new members. So it was kind of two big hits making our, our products not extremely price competitive at the same time. And I was a little scared because the days afterwards, we actually had one of our worst days in months. We only had two sales on, I believe it was Saturday. And we haven't only had two sales in since summertime. So, but that being said, since then it's rebounded. And I think maybe what happened is people that were considering buying something, they saw, oh, I don't get free shipping anymore and I don't get that $5 coupon. Never mind. But then they realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm still going to buy this. It's not that big of a yeah. deal. So why do flat rate shipping now than when you had free shipping beforehand? The like, customers that we like are the ones that buy a lot of stuff. And we're talking about the dance studios or the dance dance teams, people like that. And there's a couple of reasons behind that too. They tend to give us less problems and we make much more profit from them because we're able to produce, you know, 12 of the same color item, which it cuts our production time down like quite dramatically. And it seems to be when people only order one of something, they want it right away and they complain and they're more likely to refund it. So for those people, I don't mind charging them an extra $2 because they're kind of on average more of a pain in the butt. Another reason why we did the minimum of $50 and specifically $50 is it's low enough where you can order about two of our items and you'll meet that threshold but one won't quite do it. And the goal is to kind of have people say, okay, well, I can order one pair of jazz pants and pay for shipping, or I can order two. And most of these people will be able to use that second pair at some point in their dancing career. So we want to cater to those kind of people. Yeah, all right. So for me, I've been working on my Kickstarter reward tier. So I think I told everyone I'm working on a new laptop sleeve, leather laptop sleeve with the battery pack in it. So it's interesting because both the battery and the sleeve have different margins so when i bundle them together and set a reward tier like how do i budget for that when i don't know what the market's going to tell me either so it's basically running through a bunch of scenarios like hey do the minimum order of say 100 sleeves what do i need to price my reward at so that a i can account for shipping uh lost orders uh taxes uh, import duties uh, shipping and things like that too so it's kind of interesting too because i'm going to offer the battery and the sleeve by themselves so then it becomes like well what if Everyone wants the battery, but no one wants to sleep. Or what if it's the other way around? Like it's kind of interesting to go through these scenarios. And maybe I'm making it more complicated than it should be, but you know, it's kind of interesting to go through this for a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. So do you have? I see a lot of times on Kickstarters they have like a really low level reward that's like five dollars just to support us, and they have like a really high level reward that's like a thousand dollars will fly you out to you know a dinner. Do you do anything like that or not really? Yeah. I'm. Yeah. So. There'll be a $5 pledge level and I think a 25 and this is just, there's always got to be like a $1 or $5 just because people who may not want your product but still want to support you, you give them like an option to give you a few dollars. But, but the thing is like those margins are literally 
like 90%. If you're sending something digital, like an ebook, it's like 100%, right? Of like, say, $15. But if you're making a product that's like $100, but it costs you $40, that's $60. So then how do you know like where, where to charge extra, if that makes sense? So it's kind of a juggling game of like different scenarios and figuring out where is your absolute safe spot that you need to price things at. So basically just working through that. Uh, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? The founder of Rustic Artistry, which is e-com store for artisan crafted rustic chic furniture and decor. And I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Came from a background as a chef before that and in pharmaceutical advertising before that. So I've been doing Rustic Artistry for about a year and a half. I also started another online store, um, Emu Bliss, which is currently selling on Amazon and I'll be starting my own website on that shortly. Cool. So in terms of rustic artistry, what are the main products that you sell? I have partnered with a couple dozen different artisans and craftsmen around um, the United States who all create furniture or uh, home accessories that would be fitting in a cabin or a lodge or a Western ranch. And they're all individually handcrafted one at a time. Each one is completely customizable. So nothing is off the shelf. It's all it's all handmade, um, generally upon order. And if people want a different size or color or shape or finish, then I work with them and the artisan to make that happen. Gotcha. Cool. And so I understand Pinterest is a kind of main way you drive traffic to your store. So on a very high level, like what do you do on Pinterest and how does it uh, drive traffic and sales to your store? Well, I use Pinterest to uh, really get brand awareness for Rustic Artistry and to get my name out there so that more people are familiar with it. And the way I do that is by curating boards that have photos that really appeal to a lot of people and are, are very, very shareable. I put my interest in emphasis on Pinterest in really great looking pictures um, as opposed to uh, some um, businesses tend to just put up photos of their products, um, just very dull product shots. And that's not really a good use of Pinterest. It's okay to sort of slip those in every once in a while, but that's not what's going to get you um, followed and, and shared and repinned and go viral on Pinterest. It they really need to be lifestyle pictures. Unfortunately for me, in rustic decor, there is just no shortage of those um, because there's so many log home builders and architects and interior designers and magazines um, that I can pull pictures from in addition to just repinning other people that, that post that kind of um, material. And that's what really gets people interested and following on a regular basis and repinning. So that once I've captured their attention that way, then I can drop in, um, you know, product photos every once in a while. And I know that they'll be seen because uh, people are looking at, at my account and my feeds. And there's that whole lumber sexual movement now too have you heard about that the what <laughs> lumber sexual kind of like the younger guys are dressing like lumberjacks <laughs> now you hear this <laughs> that's uh it's no longer metrosexual huh it's lumber sexual. yeah it's like a hipster thing i don't know if you've seen it. yeah ask your daughter i'm sure she'll know what we're talking about basically uh -huh. okay. um, there's a you know younger group of guys now in like their mid-20s 30s travis maybe you know but they're wearing like plaid shirts in like new york and you know growing out beards and basically being like a lumberjack <gasps> so. well, i've never heard of this but okay 
the, the trends always have to change to something, so. <laughs> exactly. So yours is kind of writing off that in some ways. But I guess you were talking about curation versus your own pictures. So I guess if Pinterest, you're going to take lifestyle pictures, it would be really expensive to make your own, right? So when you curate pictures, like how does that work? Do you have to give people credit or do you just paste it on your board or... How does that work out? If you pin from another website, it will automatically link to that website. So they aren't automatically credited. And the only way that you you wouldn't give credit is if you decided to download that photo to your computer and then upload it from there. And there's really no point in doing that. So it's best just to pin directly from the source because that that appends the source to the pin. And then you can write whatever description you want for it. That's the way pins get, get shared. And that's what actually um, allows people to click back through to the, the source website. Gotcha. One thing I noticed too is that when someone repins your photo, usually the source gets an alert for that too. Is that like a good outreach way to kind of build awareness for your board too? Yeah, it's great. It's a great way. And in fact, if, you, if you're pinning your own pins from, from your own brand website, let's say you don't pin them directly from your site, like maybe you have a lot of product pins that are stored in, on your computer, on your hard drive, and you can upload those, you can go in and um, edit the source code once you've created the pin and add uh, a, a URL for your website. So you can make any pin reference back to your website or to a particular page on your website. Ah, gotcha. So you can link them directly to, say, your product page if it was a product. Correct. Lifestyle shop yep. and all that stuff. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So when you approach organizing a board, like when you were making your board, how did you decide on the different categories and all that stuff? And if someone wants to start out, like, say, Travis, how, would he, how many boards should he have? Or I guess what is his mindset? to approaching making boards? It's probably good to have at least 10 boards. And and Travis, I took a look at your account and actually I think you guys have done an, an excellent job. Uh, you're already doing a lot of the things that I would have suggested. You've got a lot of different dance boards that have to do with different parts of the dance lifestyle. So, you know, you have one board that's that's focused on your, your brand and your, your dance clothing, but the other boards all um, would appeal to, to many different kinds of dancers. So you're right on target um, for that. And that's really what you want to do is a lot of different lifestyle brands and think about the different parts of somebody's life that's in, in dance. So, for example, you had a, there's a hair board. So, you know, for dance hair um, and dance quotes. And there's a lot of different directions that you can go. And that's a really, really good um, approach to take. And then you want to have your boards filled out with probably at least 25 or to 50 pins really to be worthwhile. Um, and the other really important thing to do is to spread out when your pins are pinned. Because if you just go on a big massive pin binge, then the only people that see those are the ones that happen to be looking at their feed at that time. And then they you know, kind of will go into oblivion. Slow and steady is the rule with with Pinterest. Gotcha. So about 10 10 categories and maybe 20 to 30 photos each. So you're looking at, if you're starting out, I guess find 300 photos and then pin like what, two per day, four per day or? Well, the the good thing that's available now is that there are scheduling tools. There didn't used to be. And so, you know, that was a problem where you would just, you know, go on a pin binge and inundate people's feeds with, you know, a zillion pins of one topic. And that's not a good thing at all. Now we have um, 
Tailwind has a really good scheduling tool. And so you can go on a pin binge and all you do is click them to go to schedule and then they automatically are dripped out at the, the times and the days that you specify. Nice. So with that, you can really have a VA kind of do it for you as long as you approve the photos first. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, therefore, anytime you come across something that it looks like it's a good pin, you can, you know, you can pin it, but instead of it pinning right that moment, it just goes into the scheduler and it goes into the next time slot that you've set up. Um, and you can set those time slots up based on um, the analytics that Tailwind supplies of when your pins are the most viral, when you, they get the most repins and the most engagement. Gotcha. So when you go about sourcing photos for lifestyle boards, are you doing that or is a VA doing that? Or if a VA is doing that, how do you ensure the quality is kind of up to par for what you're looking I for? I don't have any VAs. So it's just, uh, that's on my to-do list, but um, it's just me right now. And so I just look for things that appeal to me and that I think will look good on Pinterest because uh, uh, if something is too wide, if it's wide but not tall, it doesn't lend itself to Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest is a tall, um, narrow platform as far as the best pictures. And, um, you know, if they're, they're too busy, they don't show up well. So, uh, you know, you kind of want to look at what, what the content is and, and what kinds of things would be the most appealing to uh, your followers. Gotcha. So how much time do you invest, like say in a week on Pinterest? A couple of hours, I would say. I do it just sort of sporadically when I got, got a little bit of time. And what I have done is when I come across a good website, either like a, um, you know, an architect, for example, I uh, bookmark their website. And that way I've got something handy when I, when I need to get some pins. I've got some so whole bunch of sources I can go to to draw pins from um, as opposed to just going into my feed and repinning what's already there. So that way, I'm not just repinning, I'm bringing literally fresh new content to Pinterest, and that's, that's um, a big plus. Gotcha. And so in the past year and a half, how have you seen the platform evolve since you first started? Because I understand when it first came out, it was just a bunch of girls pinning wedding photos. And then it's kind of gotten more professional now. It was really um, a self-centered type of platform initially. I mean, people were really just using it for their own benefit you know, to, to just sort of collect pictures that they liked. And it's become much, much, much more of a, of a sharing tool. And of course, it's become a much bigger business tool. It, I don't think Pinterest ever foresaw that it would be such a, a, a marketing platform when it started out, but it's, it's turned into one. Pinterest is working hard to try to make it really more user-friendly for businesses. They've got their own analytics that, that they supply. If you um, have your site verified as a business, then you are able to get the analytics. They have a brand new feature now where you can actually invite somebody else to pin on your board. You don't even have to create a group board anymore. Um, any board can have somebody uh, added, you can literally send them an invitation to add to your board. So um, there's going to be more collaboration that way. And they've also made it possible to send a direct message to other pinners. So as long as you're both following at least one of each other's boards, you can communicate with each other via message literally the same way you do on Facebook. Interesting. So they're building in like a JV cross-promotion type of platform into this. Mm -hmm. 
in some ways too. Yep. And they're making it much, much more searchable. They're trying to make this be quite a search engine, you know, the way Google is. So either search by pins or pinners or boards for that keyword. And then they also will give you a whole lot of categories that are related to it. Take a look at all those categories and you can actually follow those categories. So for example, now, instead of just following individual pinners, and seeing that in my feed, I also see Western decor. And that's just what the pinner is listed as. It's just a, a and it's combined pins that, that Pinterest actually curates, I guess, based on content and keywords of the pins. It's interesting if you look at Google image, it's like a very practical image search, but there's no quality filter to that, where I guess Pinterest, the images by default are of more context in some ways too. And when you create a board, you assign it to a category. So that helps Pinterest. It's becoming more and more important to use keywords in your pin descriptions, um, especially in pin descriptions for your own products because they will show up in search. And I can see that it's becoming a lot more important to name your boards with very searchable terms. And so, for example, my primary board is called Make Mine Rustic. And that's just a name that I came up with before I had even had a concept about rustic artistry. That was my personal board that, you know, I created years ago because I already had a lot of followers on it when I, when I started the business. I just kept it going. It doesn't lend itself to search. So, for example, if I search for rustic decor, my board won't show up because... That's not what it's called. Make sure they are keyword optimized in the title. Um, you can also put a little description and that can be keyword optimized as well. And because Pinterest is becoming such a powerful search engine, that's going to be more and more critical. Gotcha. So on a kind of very broad basis, do you see better convergence from Pinterest? From a traffic standpoint, I get a lot more traffic from Pinterest. 40% of my referral traffic is um, Pinterest. 12% is Facebook. So I'm getting a lot more traffic to my site through through Pinterest. It's a little hard. I can't actually quantify the ROI because there was a snafu with my e-commerce tracking in Google Analytics. And the other thing is because of the type of product that I sell, it's not necessarily the kind of thing that people buy the first time they get on the site either. So, um, but if it is bringing traffic and they're staying and my bounce rate is very low, you know, 20 something percent from people who come from Pinterest, then I will take that because, you know, I will take all the traffic to my, to my site that I can. Gotcha. And so if you compare like your Facebook fan page, how big is that compared to say your Pinterest followers, just to give people an idea? Well, my Pinterest is up to uh, 9,500 now, and that's over a period of about a year and a half. I, I had like 200 personal followers when I started, and now I have 9,500. So that's been growing well. It grows at about 30 um, people a day, roughly. Um, and I, I have maybe three to 400 repins per day. Um, that that comes to me. Uh, Tailwind sends me a little email every morning and, and tells me what's what's going on with that. Also, how many organic pins come from my website? Facebook, I'm uh, just about to get up to five thousand. Pinterest seems to be an easier way to to gain followers, um, and I'm just as active on on Facebook. You know, I'm putting things up every day for the most part on Facebook, and I have a very engaged Facebook audience. 
I've been able to, in the same period of time, I've been able to get twice as many followers on Pinterest as Facebook. Yeah, I get the feeling, if you look at all the platforms now, like Facebook, every year they change, it's becoming less and less effective, I guess, because A, they're changing the organic reach, and also two, like Pinterest doesn't news filter your feed, right? And Instagram doesn't either. So everyone who follows you actually sees you, whereas Facebook, only like, what, 5% less than that of people actually see your stuff so although um pinterest is getting a little wonky with how they're doing the feed it's called a smart feed and now they are starting to put things in that they think you would like there's been a little pushback from um pinners about the smart feed not being all that smart um so we'll, we'll see where that goes that's you know something new that they're they're trying out and um you know, it's a very evolving platform. Very cool. All right, so I guess that's it for my section. I'm going to hand it over to Travis now. So we touched base a little bit on how you would advise him to start, but I'm sure Travis knows his business a lot more than me, so I'll let him ask some questions to you too. Yeah, I, I think one of my biggest questions is how do you get initial followers? Is it just posting quality content and doing the boards properly, or is there more to it? There's a whole bunch of ways that you can drive people to your your Pinterest board. The first and easiest one is to add the pin it button to your website. And you can do that with a, a plug-in. Pinterest has its own widgets that you can add. And you can either just have the pin it button and it'll pop up on hover over any of your product pictures. Or if you have a sidebar, there's actually a widget that'll show like little tiny thumbnails of your 10 most recent pins. I've actually added that to the new design on Rustic Artistry because I think that if people see those actual pins, they'll be like, oh, you know, I like those kind of pictures. You know, I'll follow her on, on Pinterest. So um, you definitely want to get it on your website. I also promote it over onto my Facebook page. So I will, um, for example, use PicMonkey and create a collage, a, a horizontal, you know, Facebook optimized size collage of a few different pins remind people that, you know, if they like the stuff I'm posting on Facebook, that, you know, they should check out the Pinterest boards, you know, because there's even more photos on there. So I run a post like that every once in a while on Facebook. You can also put a, a tab on Facebook that links to your Pinterest account. So that's another easy and free way to do it. Another thing that I do is I have email signature that's created in Wise Stamp. So it's got my my brand logo, and then it has the both the Facebook and the Pinterest icons, and those both link to my accounts. On any promotional emails that I send out, there's lots of ways of getting your existing customers to know that you've got a Pinterest board, um, you know, Pinterest boards, and, and that it might be something that they want to follow. Uh, another question that's a little off topic, but I created a new image that I want to put on Pinterest and it's basically my product and then underneath uh, to make it really long is like all our color swatches and is there any benefit to putting it on my website or can I just upload it straight to Pinterest and then include the link back to that product page? Option two, just go ahead and, and do that because as soon as you pin it, as soon as you, you click pin it, it'll uh, pop up a little thing that says see it now. And if you click that, it'll open up the whole editable format for the pin. And you can just go right into where it says source, paste your URL in there for wherever you want it to go to. 
in your emails, do you ask people, like, have you sent out emails specifically saying, hey, by the way, don't forget to follow us on Pinterest, or do you avoid that? When I'm sending personal emails to customers, like if I'm, you know, maybe I've just finished a sale with somebody, um, I will say, you know, by the way, um, you know, if you're not following on Facebook and Pinterest, here are the links. Another thing that I, I'd like to pass on that's been super, super effective for me is to generate email signups off of Pinterest. And it has been one of my best sources of getting emails. Um, I created a pin, four different images, a long, long, tall pin with four images, and then a center image that was a call to action um, to sign up. Or It was like for a lead magnet, right, for something on how to decorate with cowhide. I've gotten hundreds, several hundred email signups from that, and that pin has gone so viral, and it just continues to get repinned all over the place. So it's been really a fantastic resource for, for getting um, email signups, and, and they're so easy to make in, in PicMonkey. Um, you could probably do it in Canva as well. Um, and just, you know, put in a, a, a call to action to get on the list to, you know, receive whatever, your newsletter. So did you offer them just to be part of an email newsletter or did you say like, here's an ebook? What was- I had um, an, I had written a, basically like a blog post about um, decorating with cowhide. So that's what I ordered. I mean, that's what I offered was... Um, you know, h- how to decorate with cowhide, even if, you know, you don't live on a ranch. And that's what, so that's what people were signing up to get. Mine was really very, very minor. It was just, just a short little article with a lot of photos in it. Hmm, that's cool. I'm going to try that out. And have you tried out the paid pins feature? So, yeah, I'm in the, the paid pins. Um, I guess it's still in beta because I yeah. was looking on, um, the Pinterest business website, and they're just still taking signups. Um, I've had it. I've tried it. I'm not thrilled yet. Um, and the reason is that I'm not seeing, I'm not getting very good traction from my pins on that. I get better repins and clicks from the same pins organically on my boards than I have with Pinterest trying to, you know, optimize who they're showing it to. And maybe that's because um, you have to select keywords, and I guess they're only showing it to, you know, people who are doing those particular searches. Mm. Um, So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of impressions. It's showing a lot of impressions, but the the repins and the clicks are very, very, very low. So it doesn't cost much because you only get uh, charged when they click through to your site, but it is not generating um, traffic that I would have thought it would. I get more traffic from the same pin just normally than I am from the promoted pin. That's interesting. And Mm -hmm. what's about the price per click on that? Roughly been about 70 to 80 cents a click. Yeah, it's not too bad. And, you know, I didn't put in a lot of money on it. You can do a daily budget. I'm not I didn't, you know, want to start out with too much. Um, so, you know, that might be part of the issue, but I'm just still surprised that the, the repins are so low. You know, even if I'm not getting clicks, I would expect to get repins because these are pins that I know always generate a lot of repins. And the repins are free, right? You only get charged for yep. the click? 
Yes. And what about share boards? Like, I don't know the technical term, but I've seen where you can invite like people to post pictures on one of your boards. Have you it's used called those? a group? Yes, it's called a oh, group okay. board. I have one of those and I also participate in, in some of them. And they are great because especially if you are a contributor to one, because they usually have a lot, a lot of followers. So now your name as the pinner is out in front of a lot more people. One thing I was thinking about doing was having a group board that was basically there so people that have bought our product can put a picture of themselves on the group board. Can I do that or is there some kind of technical hiccup? No, you could do that because they would just need to use the upload a pin feature. So yeah, they definitely could do that. It basically wouldn't link back to anything. It would just link to image. And what have you done? Have you done anything differently when converting traffic from Pinterest? Do you take them to a different landing page or you use the same landing pages? I try to have all anything um, linked to a particular product page um, as opposed to just my home page. Because, yeah, you really, when they're seeing something of yours, of your brands that they like, you want them to be able to get right to it on your website. So that's an important thing is to make sure that the URL goes to directly to the, the product page. Not just to like your homepage or something like that? No, definitely not. Um, unless you were just doing some kind of a brand awareness pin, the company as a whole. But if it's a, if it's a particular product, it definitely should go to that product page and not just the category page, but that, that product page. That kind of brings me into the next question. What are some of the common mistakes you made starting out or you see other people make starting out? When I first started, I, you know, I was just pinning like crazy. So, you know, I was, I was doing those pinning binges and, um, you know, that's, that's considered a very bad form in, in the Pinterest world to inundate people. As a brand, you don't want to alienate people by flooding their, their feed. I mean, the longer a pin is up, unless it's getting shared, it's done, you know, it's, it's lived its life. So, uh, because, you know, people don't really go that far back into your boards to look at them and, and repin. I mean, occasionally they will, but you know, mostly they're just, they're just looking at their feeds. So that's why you want to have, um, steady new pins coming out all the time. Um, it's just much, much, much more effective than putting a whole bunch out at once. And the other mistake that I, I think that I made was not diversifying my boards enough at the beginning. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, I had that board make, make mine rustic and that is still my, my primary board and it's got over 3000 pins on it. I've realized now that it would have been better to, um, split it out into more specific boards. So, um, you know, now I have one that's rustic porches and one that's rustic Christmas and one that's a Western rustic home and, you know, all the different, um, little subcategories. It's, it'd be best to, to try to set it up like that from the get go, um, rather than an, an all encompassing board. One question for you. What happens when you delete a pen? For instance, I have all my product pins up on my page and I planned on deleting them and replacing them with the new improved uh, Pinterest worthy pins. Do those then get deleted for, from everyone else's board or nope. how does that work? Okay. Nope. Once a pin is out there, it's, it's out there. Um, and in fact, that was a, a big concern of mine with, with this pin that 
I was using for email signups because I changed my um, email provider. And so it changed where, you know, the, the sign-up form was. And I was really, really concerned about losing all that. And in fact, I contacted a couple of people who had that pin on their board and, and um, asked them if they could, you know, change the URL to my new link. So I changed it and then I repinned it. So now any time it goes out, it's, it's the correct thing. But basically, once a pin is out there, it cannot be changed. It can't be, you can't remove it globally. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I saw that you also said you have a, a link for pinthemall.net. What is, what is this? It, let's say you're on a, a blog article or I don't know, any website that has a whole, a whole bunch of pictures that you might like to combine together. If you click the, uh, the pin them all, it's a bookmark. It brings up all the images and then you select the ones you want and it just puts them into a nice little stackable format that creates a, a, a nice tall pin with as many pictures in it as you want. It's a lot easier than downloading them all and uploading them to PicMonkey and creating, you know, a collage in PicMonkey. This way, if they're all on the, on the same page, you know, sometimes a magazine article will have a whole bunch of pictures. You can just pin them all at the same time into, a, into one single pin. I guess my last big question is about Tailwind. And I know you can use it to schedule out pins, but you said it also has some analytic features. Can you tell me a little bit more about those and how you use it? Yeah, yeah. Tailwind Tailwind is like the Pinterest analytics on steroids. A lot of information on your specific followers, not just numbers, but who um, who's pinning for you the most, um, you know, who are your 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 brand advocates. Um, so that you know who uh, you might want to go in and engage with. If somebody's pinning a lot of your your products or repinning a lot of things, then that's that's a really great follower, and you want to woo them. So it's good to be able to have that information of of who these um, different pinners are um, by name, so that you can you can uh, court them, so to speak. So that I found that to be really helpful. And, you know, you can really track your, your progress and how, um, how viral your, your pins are and your boards. 93% of my pins have at least one repin. And um, usually about 14, my, I'm averaging 14 repins per pin. So um, you get that kind of data. And the, uh, the data that I really, really like is when is the best time to pin because it uh, has a thing to optimize your content and gives you peak days and times and um, similar to what you can get on Facebook Insights. So this shows, you know, when you have the most pins and when, what time periods, days and times they are receiving the most repins. My information tells me that Sundays are the best day to pin and 8 p.m. is the best time to pin because it's they're 20 to 30 percent better than average at those times. Hmm. And as far as getting followers, I know on Twitter, a lot of people use the tactic of follow, a, a, you know, 2000 people, whoever follows you back, keep them and then delete the rest and then do the same kind of process over again. Is that something that happens a lot on Pinterest, too, or you don't have to overfollow, okay? Because mm-hmm. otherwise you just fill up your feed too too much. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to, you know, is to pin good content that gets repinned and so that it gets in front of more people and mm-hmm. your name is in front of more people. And an- another thing you could do if you um, 
you see somebody that's got a lot of followers that you're interested in is, you know, maybe leave a comment on one of their, their brand new pins and they might come check out your boards and, and, you know, start following you. And now they might start repinning your stuff. And if they've got a huge audience now, all of a sudden, you know, your, your pins are in front of a lot of people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've got a lot to uh, think about with this. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Carol, thanks for joining us. You guys can find out more about her website at rusticartistry.com. And how do we find out about Emu Bliss? Do we just go on Amazon or? Um, you can go to emubliss.com and right now it'll um, give you a sign up and a link to um, the products on Amazon. The site should be live three months ago. So soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Carol, thanks for joining us. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. And Carol, uh, we'll keep it up. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.